1: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley and I am joined by the returning Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate?
2: That's right. The prodigal son returns. You've heard of Mr. Walk It Out. Well, I Mr. Call You Out? No longer will bad takes go uncalled out on this podcast. I'm back to to bring some order to this madness hello we couldn't be more thankful
1: also joined by mike spears what's up mike hey y'all it's your old pal iron
0: mike spears uh i'm doing all right you know i'm back up in the foothills for until the holidays after a month of being back and forth between florida and south carolina so i'm kind of happy to be back to some sort of normalcy and somehow i managed to go on eight plane flights over the last month without getting sick so i'm taking that as a win how are you ab
1: uh, I don't know, I haven't had a self-vibe self, self vibe check lately, so I haven't really thought about it. But uh, <laughs> feeling okay in this moment, so I'll take that. Uh, I had to do some travel this week, and then uh, today I got to kind of take it easy, so that was nice. All right, follow us if you want to hear more of uh, our vibe checks. We're at uh, at everything aew on Twitter. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate is at a Mike. Is that Fuji Heia? That's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can find us on the podcast app of your choice by searching Everything Elite or through the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. If you're on the podcast app, give us a rating and a review, please. Here's what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to do Elite or Delete, of course. We're going to run down what happened on Dynamite this week. And we're going to talk about ratings. Two weeks' worth of ratings, folks. And there's a few other notes, but there's really not too much this week. So we'll mostly just get to talk about Dynamite, which I'm excited about. Uh, Before we get started, let me tell you what you can find at Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. So this week, big week uh, for, for content on the Patreon. On Sunday, I dropped Stardom Status. So if you're looking to get into Stardom or if you're already into it, I did kind of what was going on so far this month in Stardom on... Or I'm sorry, at the end of last month. Then on Monday, Brian Quimby joined me for Wrestling Small Business Tyrants, where we talked about the uh, the reign of Gabe Sapolsky. That was a lot of fun. Gabe has not melted down on Twitter about it. That's really unfortunate. <laughs> I was looking forward to that. Surprised. Uh, on Wednesday, Mike did light, AEW light. I was out of town, as I said. Uh, and on Friday, I think Mike and I are going to talk about the, uh, the AEW rankings after they come out. So looking forward to that. Next week Nate has a big show. It's the Kadani cast reviewing My Dad is a Heel Wrestler. Nate give us uh, tell us what it was like. What are we what do we have to look forward to?
2: Yeah, uh, if you have not seen the film, it is out there with English subtitles. So, you know, put your uh, pirate skills to the test uh, and and give it a watch so you can know what we're talking about when we talk about the movie. It's myself Cara and Kath Barbadoro, uh, basically going through the movie, discussing it. Uh, we all really enjoyed it and found a lot to say about it. So check it out.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, just DM me if you can't find the the thing, and I'll <laughs>
2: I'll probably do a link.
1: i do a link for you because uh, I want to make sure everybody sees it before they before they hear this show. I watched it last weekend, and I'm very excited to hear uh, the episode. And of course, next week we'll be back with AW Light. I'll be joining Mike again, thankfully. Uh, so yeah, sign up on the Patreon. We've got three dollar, five dollar, and eight dollar tiers. So uh, go check it out. And if you sign up now, you'll get you know everything we've done so far. And it's early in the month, so you'll get the most, mostly the full month. Just keep in mind you'll get charged when you sign up, and then again on the first of next month. Okay, ratings talk. So because of Thanksgiving, the ratings weren't out when we recorded last week with uh, Drew Spears, who was a great guest. But now we know that last week, AEW got uh, pummeled in overall viewership, 916,000 for NXT, 663,000 for AEW, but AEW won the demo with a 0.32 against a 0.29 for NXT. That was last week's, or that Uh, was this week's.
0: This week, last week was 0.26 versus 0.24. You're
1: right, I'm sorry. 0.26, 0.24 last week. So, a lot of people losing their minds online online. And then we wait for this week's ratings. And I'll just give, give you all everything and then we can get some reactions. So this week, AEW pops back 851,000, eighth in the demo with a 0.32. NXT falls to an 845,000 total viewers, 12th in the demo with a 0.29. So they went up in the demo, lost total viewers, uh, and AEW was able to uh, go up in the demo and gain a lot of total viewers. So NXT did, however, for the first time, win the 18 to 34 demo, uh, young women 12 to 34, and of course, as always, they won the 50 plus demo. So, what do we think, uh, Nate? Give me your your thoughts on what happened last week, the bounce back, and like where are we going from here?
2: I don't think there's. Too much concern over last week because it did bounce back this week, and uh, you know if the pattern holds true, then we might see a, a bigger bounce back in next week as people find their way back after missing it for a week. Um, that tends to be how television works a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know the, a lot of people have weighed in with a lot of different opinions on the on the big dip for Thanksgiving. I think it's just probably a uh, a consequence of NXT's. I'm sorry, AEW's audience being younger and, you know, uh, having being more likely to have other things to do than watch uh, wrestling on a Wednesday night. Um, You know, with DVR viewership, the total viewership for both shows is pretty comparable. Um, So it could also just be, you know, NXT fans or AEW fans uh, came back to the show after Thanksgiving and after the holidays to catch up on it. It may also be NXT has a, was coming off of the survivor series and coming off a take takeover, So it could just be that people that watch both AEW and NXT happen to watch NXT live, whereas they previously would have watched AEW live. You know, it can go either way on that. Uh, So, you know, I'm looking to see if we get another bounce back and it's back up, you know, toward 900,000 next week. Uh, But really, you know, uh, since it came back and uh, AEW is back on top in total viewership this week, uh, I'm, I'm not really you know, uh, an aberration, an outlier last week. It's, you know, uh, you can pretty much write it off because it was a giant holiday.
0: Yeah, and I think, as you said, Nate, the more important thing is going to be how the show on next Wednesday on the 11th is going to be because as we've seen with the whole deal with the World Series, it kind of took them two weeks to get back to that whole like normal rating number before things kind of went back down a little bit. So I don't know if I'm expecting them to get back to a 0.4 demo. I don't, I think that's kind of a little bit, uh, I I think that's a little bit far fetched. I think that probably 0.37 to point or 0.36 to 0.37 is what I expect for next week. The thing I found really interesting, like getting granular with it is so this was the first time that, NXT beat AEW in the 18-34s, to and it was by 100th of a rating point. And when you take a look at how the ratings were and the ratings fell, it just seems like at the end of it that maybe this is really getting to a point where we're saying that the younger viewers are more willing to be able to negotiate between AEW and NXT on the same night, whereas the older NXT viewers are just staying there. So uh, I'll be real interested in see how the uh, quarterly breakdowns come out for this. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that this was a tremendous, like, I know that there was discourse about, oh my God, they're totally tanking now. Now it's time for NXT's time to rise. It was a holiday. It was the second biggest travel holiday in the United States. Like, it hit everyone. So it, you kind of have to treat the those weeks like you treat World Series, like big, almost quote-unquote moon landing situations. So I'm not too stressed about anything.
1: I think it's also true that NXT is starting to siphon off some Raw viewership. I think there's some evidence of that. We need to see more data, but some evidence of it. So, But you have to keep in mind that WWE as a whole has a larger audience than AEW has, like a larger universe of potential watchers. So if they can drag down the Raw viewers, to watching NXT. You know, I've seen the theory out there that Raw people came to watch NXT because of the Survivor Series angle, Realize it's a better show, which I feel confident is true, and stuck around. Whereas AEW just has this one... I mean, I think AEW has a broader potential audience than WWE, but WWE has a more loyal base and a a more uh, dedicated viewership. So. yeah. I think that's going to be interesting to see if NXT can keep pulling from Raw. Of course, the problem going forward is they still have to make a star at some point and like someone that people want to keep watching. And right. I'm not confident that's going to happen.
0: So there actually was a little bit of analysis done about the whole NXT versus Raw thing. Aaron, I don't know if you saw this, but the Grapple app put together a comparison of the two. And it's kind of interesting. They only really judged the data points from like October to November. And they kind of did it in a way of what the overall USA wrestling audience was. So it's the combination of raw and NXT and then what percentage of it was NXT. And, you know, I mean, there's really not enough data points really to draw any firm conclusion on this. since really they only used eight weeks worth of data or nine weeks. I forget how many weeks are in a month. Don't blame me. It's (laughs) we're, we're, we're in the winter. It's cool. So in October, and this is again from grapple, it's at, grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L app on Twitter, they said that 23.3% of wrestling viewers on USA watched, that the share was NXT in October and that went up to 28.0 in November. So that's a 4.7% uh, difference. It's an increase of 20.2, and you look at it and Raw went down 7% but NXT went up 18%. So there might be something there. I don't know if it'll ever be to a point where the two converge. I just don't think that's possible. But it's something that is interesting to watch going forward.
1: All right. Well, that's enough ratings talk, I think, for uh, for one podcast. Let's get on into talking about Dynamite from this week. And, of course, we're going to play Elite or Delete if you are a first-time listener. We just uh, say what's good and what was bad from the show. That's really it. It's it's not that clever. Okay, let's start. uh, Nate, hit me with your elite pick of the week for the December 4 episode of AEW Dynamite.
2: All right, I will go with the opening television contest of the Young Bucks and Dustin Rhodes against Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. Um, I, so I went to this show in Champagne live. I also went to the show last week in Chicago live. Uh, and I think this was the best match off either of those. Um, I will say that I enjoyed the Champagne show considerably more overall. Um, it just the, the wrestling was more exciting. The fans were more into it. It was more of a, uh, sort of boisterous atmosphere. And that all pretty much started here with this first match with, uh, just, you know, the, the sort of kinetic super exciting young bucks trios matches that we've come to know and love over the last uh half decade or whatever uh and it was particularly fun at this time having dustin Rhodes involved having you know the old boomer come in here with his young bucks tights and throwing triple super kicks and doing comedy power slam spots and uh you know uh, just uh do have doing a sent a front flip senton off the apron while nick jackson flew over his head off the turnbuckle uh just a lot of fun crowd was super into it um and yeah this was you know the best thing over the last two weeks and it sort of set the tone for the rest of the show and ended up being i think a really fun show
0: yeah this was a fun opener like this is these are the kind of openers that i feel like i've said each time they have one this is what what i really like to kickstart a show and You know, it just was like a really cool thing, like watching how proud and powerful they've really made a thing about like being bullies in the division. And one of their big spots is that they will do the long-time delayed suplex where they'll pass it back and forth between Santana Ortiz. But then they pass it over to Sammy, and Sammy wasn't able to keep it up. And that turned out to be a hope spot for the Bucks and Dust. And I thought that was really cool. And then, hey, if you're going to do a – call back to Masato Yoshino and you're finished by doing a missile sentine missile senton indie taker I'm okay with that I'm all aboard that
1: so it was a fun opener I thought it was a blast yeah I think Dustin shows that you can either be as you age in this business you can either be Jim Cornette or you can be Dustin as he is now and like the much more fun thing to be is Dustin you know he's just like even when we heard him on commentary on dark right he's like oh, this is really fun. This is this thing that these wrestlers are doing now is so cool. They're so athletic. I wish I could have done that kind of stuff when I was wrestling or whatever, which is like not only a a better way to age as a wrestler, but like a better way to age as a human of just like, okay, this stuff is cool, whatever. So happy for Dustin, and it was an enjoyable match.
2: The difference was crystallized uh, just because during their entrance, there was somebody under the hard cam with a big cornet blocked me sign that I think the Bucks kind of acknowledged was like, yeah, you get Cornette there and then you get Dustin out there having fun and, you know, uh, introducing himself to a whole new generation of fans probably.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mike, what pick you got for us? All right. My
0: elite of this week was how they set up jungle boy as a time filler, something to do for Chris Jericho, because Chris Cody has said that this is not a title shot, but I think that they might do something here to make it into a title shot for the new year. And the reason why I like this, and I think this is something that a lot of people just think that this is ridiculous and that why is this being a thing for Jericho and Jericho obviously has Moxley in the horizon. And it still kind of applies with Cody dealing with the motherfucking Butcher and the motherfucking Blade while he still has his sights on MJF is everyone just has their minds like so warped by the idea that United States wrestling has to be either month to month or week to week. This is a promotion that's going to have four big events each year, and you're going to have stuff you're going to be doing. Uh, in the meantime, you, you're, you're not going to just completely go away and just kill and just disappear until like, it's time to build the pay-per-view. You're not going to, you're going to have your beats each week for NJF and Cody or Moxley and Jericho, but you're still going to have to have like overriding thing. Like Jericho's champion. Jericho should be forced to like have matches on TV, even though he's a cha- champion. So, I think that people who are just like thinking like if you're focusing so much on the fact that Cody is doing something else is like bad booking. You just need to get yourself out of the mindset of how wrestling has been and just look at how they've been able to do great stuff week to week. Like, I don't know have did either of y'all watch dark this week?
2: No, I was there. So,
0: oh yeah, you were, you were there. Sure. So yeah.
1: Uh, no, no, I didn't watch it.
0: So, <laughs> so, so the reason why I bring that up is that they, Outside the matches, they used every part of Dark to build up the show in Champagne. So they're they are showing that they're doing week-to-week and show-to-show booking while still having these overarching things. And having Jungle Boy in there as someone that Jericho has made a point of before, and as Jericho has now had two televised title defenses that have helped elevate people that they see as future stars, I think this is a brilliant idea. And, I mean, it was also another really good Jericho promo, so... I thought this was a home run and some of the best stuff that Chris Jericho does is this.
2: Yeah, Jericho is really funny as we've come to expect. Uh, I don't... So I think they they set it up that it's going to be like a 10-minute challenge, right? That he's, he has to last 10 minutes with Chris Jericho. That was sort of the angle that they were building there.
0: Yeah, that was the impression that, that he can't last 10 minutes, so it might be a 10-minute right. match or it could be a 20-minute match that he goes at least 10 minutes and gets a title shot based off of that.
2: Okay, yeah. I just feel like... Knowing how uh, savvy they've been about sort of putting these things together and, uh, you know, uh, uh, designing a match to tell the story that they want. uh, I'm just anticipating something really exciting there where, uh, you know, uh, Jungle Boy's trying to last those 10 minutes and just coming right up against it and uh, probably going to be a lot of drama there. So, yeah, I think that should be good. Um, I wasn't super high on the Jurassic Express's uh, share of the promo workload there. Like, um, Luchasaurus, like the master's degree thing is fine. Uh, the, the marginalized dinosaur thing is like kind of borderline. Like, you know, it's obviously not with, there's no like ill intent there. I don't think, but it's kind of just like, okay, yeah, we get it. You know, you're making fun of the concerns of indigenous people or, or whatever particular example you want to use. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you know, jungle boy obviously is not somebody who they've, given a lot of promo time or we've seen have a lot of promo time and other promotions. Um, and so that will have to develop or, you know, I, I'm kind of fine with him being a non talker guy. Like he's a wild man from the jungle. He's fine. If he's not particularly verbose, um, but I did really enjoy Marco in this segment and Marco got big reactions and got like chance from the crowd and stuff. And just, again, goes to show that, you know, the, the old rules don't apply. All right. My elite pick for the
1: week. I'm going to keep it simple. Two women's segments. So there's been a lot of consternation about that. We basically get one. or we do. We get one women's segment each week. Now, we know that the Bucks and Cody and Kenny are all very online. So I'm sure that they see this uh, this debate happening. So uh, they they run out Nyla Rose. And also, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Nyla not being that featured after uh, having the first big story in the women's division. Nyla comes out and squashes Leva Bates. And then later we get the Chris Statland and match. So it's just good to see more focus being put on the women's division. The Nyla match also includes a story with Shanna that they've kind of built up. That's nice to see in the women's division. So I'm just happy to see stories and more focus for the women. Hopefully as they expand this division and keep signing more talent, we'll be able to see uh, more of them featured on the show. Yeah.
0: And if you even want to kind of go super granular with it, you really had four women's segments because you had the match, with uh, nyla and leva bates you had the uh, segment with how shauna came down afterwards and got put through a table and then it was rick knox who also got put through the table right yes and and then you had the match with chris stat and hikaru shida and that led right into brandy brandy Rhodes and the nightmare collective coming out also that and so i mean like i think that this kind of proves that one that they're going to focus more on women when they have like the stories, which you know isn't necessarily the best thing, but it's better than just doing stuff just for the sake of doing it. And at the same time, I mean, this Statlander versus Sakaro Shida match is going to be like one of the matches like that people will look back on, and be like, okay, this is like the start of the true start of Chris Stat and AEW. So it's it was a very exciting night in
2: that regard. I'm very confused about the librarians, um, and what. They are like, obviously they're jobbers, but their relationship is unclear. Like Peter Avalon comes out. He was in a dark match as a pure heel. And then he came out with Leva Bates as a pure heel. But then Leva told him to shut up, even though they've been paired together for like months at this point. So that's what the to babyface her, I think, so that she would be the babyface against Nyla. But then Nyla is like the monster heel, but also she like is kind of a baby face a lot of the time. And it's just very confusing to me. I don't, maybe they just want the librarians to be dynamic that they can plug them into whatever spot. And but, so then Nyla's the monster heel, but like she beats the shit out of the referee and everybody thinks that's awesome. Cause you know, you get to see the referee get slammed on top of someone. Like it's the same shit that Moxley does later in the show, but he does it to a big baby face pop. It's just very unclear. I don't really get the delineations there.
1: Yeah. If they wanted real heel heat there, she should have done it to Aubrey.
2: Yes, Aubrey is super over, and that would have gotten a a big heel reaction. Is that what you're deleting, Nate? Um, no. So my delete is the Pentagon versus Daniels match. Um, this was like pretty slow. I will say they so they've done both a good job both weeks that I attended here. That being in the crowd and watching these shows, you do not get a super stilted production. That's like. Uh, you know, you you constantly feel like you're being interrupted by the television commercials or whatever. Like, they keep it running pretty smooth and have a lot of, uh, you know, little interjections to make it feel like it's a coherent show and not like, here's a segment, here's an ad break, here's a segment, here's an ad break, so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know if this went through the ad break, but this match seemed, like, really stilted and slow and like a time filler or something. Um, Chris Daniels, like, had a pretty bad botch on the, you know, uh, his his rope flip moonsault deal that you know is a is a regular move that he does and it always sucks to botch but uh i don't know this was supposed to be like a big match like they built this match going back to the tag team tourney with chris daniels getting dropped on his head and eliminated from the tag team tourney he came back to get his revenge by dressing up as pentagon a couple times and this is them finally showing off and crowd was not particularly behind it they were hot for both guys like individually but you know, Pentagon comes out there and is doing his shtick and doing his chops and doing his woo and doing his kicks. And it's like no real fire or feud there. And it just seemed like he was trying to like slow it down to stay at Daniel's pace or something. I don't know. You know, I I really did uh, enjoy this show considerably more than the one last week in Chicago, but this was probably the low point for me.
0: Yeah, this was one of the worst matches they've had in a while on TV that didn't have just outright bad people who shouldn't be on tv i thought that it was really kind of depressing you see christopher daniels like right now like that was kind of the takeaway that i got from daniels because i mean he was someone who's been at a top level basically for the last two decades and this was like the the match that I, I watched and i was like wow uh he's getting up there and penta just kind of did indie penta so it just kind of sucked
2: I've seen Penta do a lot more on the indies than he did in this game. I've, <laughs> I've seen him do, yeah, he's done, you know, top rope Canadian destroyers in front of 300 people in the sale. And he wasn't doing that here.
1: I also think I'd have to look back at my spreadsheet, but I think that was Daniel's first match on Dynamite.
2: There was a tweet that it was his first match on TNT since, you know, he did a jobber appearance in WCW. So, yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah, it was bad. And especially when Daniels was lauded for that promo a few weeks ago where he was like really going at Pentagon and like how fired up he was toward Pentagon. And yeah, you're right, Nate. We didn't see any of that in the match. Mike, what are we deleting?
0: So for someone that like I feel like I've been pretty strongly pro Cody throughout this entire run here, that promo finished very, very strong. But that first half of it, was just kind of just disconnected in a lot of ways. Like, unless it was like planting seeds for things in the future, it just felt like it was kind of awkward. And this was also during the part of the show where there was some audio problems for for Turner. And it just felt like it was kind of weird when you, he when you came out and you could hear the fire pyro more so than the crowd response because of whatever production cues or issues they had there. It just was something that, like, I watched this promo and I kind of came along with it going like, okay, you finish this off like the old Harley Ray's like title belt and the and the briefcase full of cash, saying like I'm the real rich person. Which you know it's kind of weird to be such a big a big baby face nowadays, just flaunting all that. Especially versus uh, MJF later says, "Oh, I paid off the motherfucking butcher, the motherfucking blade, and the motherfucking bunny." So it just was like a very. Weird promo the farther I get away from it, even though at the time it felt like that he had the crowd and champagne in his hand, but leading up to it, like leading to like that conclusion, just was like a really weird path, if that makes sense. It was a lot like the old family circus cartoons where Jeffy goes like all the way through the sandbox and like out to the street and then back over to the drain and then finally goes back inside. That's how I kind of felt that promo. It just was like, I felt like I've been like one of his worst promos he's done on TV.
2: I mostly liked the promo and the crowd was super hot for him. Like he came out and started doing this promo. And at one point, like just the entire crowd, like spontaneously like stood up and gave him a standing ovation and chanted his name, which I don't think I've ever seen at a wrestling show. Certainly not in an arena this big. And I was like, holy shit. Like what a baby face. Um, So I, I did like the promo for the most part, but the whole part about, Oh, you know, you're, you're hood rich and I'm real rich or you're rich and I'm wealthy. Like, I get that he likes flair and flair is like a big baby face because of how the culture has changed now, but it did sort of have vibes of, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton being like, Donald Trump's not really rich. You're like, we have the good billionaires over here and he's a fake billionaire. It's like, all right, dude. It's also like a bizarre
1: misreading of dusty Rhodes' entire career. Like the fact that dusty dusty was such a, I mean the fucking hard times promo. Is like the whole thing with Dusty was that he was a regular dude. He was the son of a plumber, right? That's why he was a a huge over babyface. And Flair, when he was doing the, you know, shit about uh, limos and and flying in jets, was not always a babyface. You know, Flair would be a babyface at times, but that was uh, often, most often a heel character, especially when he was paired up with Dusty. So it's like very strange. And he can kind of do whatever he wants, right? Like he's he's untouchable in AEW right now, but it's a weird path to go down. And as Mike said, it's especially a weird path to go down with MJF when that's like MJF's character. So I hate to see Cody, like it was fun. The little, you know, shoot work, shoot comments of, of Cody's fun in the moment, but it like really takes the piss out of MJF. I'm not yeah. sure that you want to do that at this point. And
0: especially when like we have a storyline there of, You were my best friend. You, I saw you as like the potential. Everyone else thought that you were an asshole, but I thought we had something, which is much more of like the classic Southern wrestling trope to do there. And instead he decides to miscalculate how Dusty and uh, Flair were because yeah, like yeah, yeah, Flair totally got pops, especially towards the end of his career in the South. But for a lot of time, like he was basically portraying himself as like the rich northerner who like comes in he has a jet he's gonna come in take all your women in town and then leave on the jet and you're gonna be left there like that was a that was a, a key character trait of rick flair up until pretty much he came back from the wwf so it, it just it was like a really weird path when there was such an obvious one that i feel like would play to both of their strengths a lot more if they played up like the friendship and the mentorship thing and you know at the end like he said the line of like He's going to make this, and he's going to pay MJF so he can get an edu- give MJF an education. And like I thought, like that was like a good closing line. But that's what it should have been about the whole entire 5-10 minute promo that had. And like that's the issue. I feel like it's just a really bad misreading that got to its conclusion, but it took a really weird path to get there.
1: All right, I got to delete something. I was going to talk about the Cody promo, but I've said my piece on it. So I'm just going to take this as literally as possible. Something that I would actually like to delete from this show. And that is the Awesome Kong and Brandy segment. So you're coming off Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida, which turned out to be a pretty good match, a very good match by the end of it. Statlander has this huge moment where she beats the number one contender. And she kind of seems like, okay, this is going to be a real person that we're going to focus on. We're going to really try to do something with her. And then you immediately step on that moment, with the lights going out and uh, Kong and Brandy coming out. And then not to mention this segment like suck shit. I mean, it was very bad. Brandy's promo was cringy. Uh, the whole thing with, with um, is it Melissa or Me- Melanie Cruz, Melanie Cruz, Melanie Cruz coming out. That sucked. Like she kind of uh, used the same deal as like dark order with like the pledge thing. That sucked. It was just like, Uh, nothing good about this. So I would like to delete it from the show.
2: I'll I'll do a little devil's advocate. Um, It kind of doesn't hurt Chris Dallander so badly because the premise was Brandy was like, Oh wow, she's really impressive. I want her with me. So, you know, that's kind of a, a justification you can use, but yeah, this pretty much died a death in the building. You know, I'm like fine with a segment, not exactly hitting, but just doesn't seem to be the tone that people really want to see. Um, you know, the 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 original novelty of All In was kind of, hey, it's not fucking hard to do sports entertainment. You can be a bunch of guys doing it on YouTube and do it better than the WWE, right? And this was just like, I don't know if it was a step too far toward like TNA or Lucha Underground or something, or just I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be in line with what the crowd wants to see, or, or maybe it just wasn't executed well enough to, to justify the leap of logic that, you know, Cody's wife is now, uh, you know, dark and evil. And with awesome Kong, I guess, uh, you know, maybe they're going to use Mel- Melanie Cruz now. Cause you know, it's not like we want awesome Kong or Brandy to be out there wrestling matches on behalf of this unit. Uh, you know, more than once or twice a year, maybe. So, um, you know, she wouldn't be my first pick having seen her in shimmer and AEW a couple times, but the match was really good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This was, it just was like a weird thing this week with like the in-ring promos. And it's been something that when you compare it to like the first few weeks of dynamite, where I feel like the promos were all like hitting on every mark and even leading up like to the, the big Cody promo in Charlotte, like I like a lot of these promos, but there's certain things that happen in these big in-ring segments now that maybe it's that there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Maybe it's that everyone's kind of just given frame rein and not allowed. And people aren't saying like, okay, Brandy, what's the deal here? Or like, what's going to be the deal with the nightmare collective? What's going to be the deal with the uh, dark order? What's going to be the deal with the motherfucking butcher, the motherfucking blade and the motherfucking bunny. But it's just like I don't know. Like we talked about, like the three big in-ring promos this week, and it feels like that in comparison to past weeks, there's a lot of negatives to them versus to how things were in the past. And maybe that's just me thinking about this and reading a little bit too much into it. But I don't remember us fee- fee- having so many misgivings with in-ring promos that in the company that at least for the first arc was doing a really great job of them.
2: also the Moxley and Janela promo. Like I liked the content of Joey's promo fine. I liked the content of Moxley's promo fine, but Moxley didn't do Janelle any favors in there. Like he comes over, he's like two feet taller than him. He's like kids, which is funny. Like he's charismatic. This is why he's a big star. But then it's like okay, you know, no chance that Joey's winning this match. And I don't know where we go with Joey now. He's like lost all his matches.
1: Yeah, I I do think there's there's this sense. There was this sense coming in right that. This would be uh, sports. That was the Cody sell. That was the Tony Khan sell that we were about to get real sports. But in pro wrestling, we're going to have these rankings and the wins and losses are going to matter. And it's like the fucking BCS every Friday. Like that's what they keep selling. And then we have uh, a lot of fuck finishes, a lot of weird like distraction things. We've got some of these weird kind of gimmicks coming in. Like the Butcher and the Blade is not a... A cheesy gimmick, really. It's not the same as like Kong and Brandy. It's not even the same as the Dark Order. It's like just two dudes who like have a very specific and unique look, and that's fine. Like that's cool because also they're like bruisers, right? So you can play along with that, and that's fine. But some of this other stuff, it just it worries you. It may be what Mike said about too many cooks. Uh, I'm not sure. It also could be that they're trying to figure out how to fill two hours of of time on TV every week, and that is. Much more difficult than probably they they thought it would be going in, but it is interesting to see where this is going to end up and what kind of wrestling company this is going to be.
2: I do like that Cody has these multiple feuds. I just I want to be on the record as liking it because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like it. They think that it should be laser focused on MJF. But I, you know, we're supposed to believe these like dynamic characters inhabiting this shared space on a weekly basis or whatever, and it's like. A lot of people should be headhunting for Cody. He's like the biggest star. so.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Cody's still in the top five. So if you're someone else, like if you're Andy Williams or Pepper Parks, you should be going for them like this. And they've made it kind of clear now going off of what AB said that the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny are basically hired guns. So like they have their own different thing that's not necessarily a whole gun. Of the whole goth thing, they're are people that like they're getting paid off to do these things, and you know that could be a different character trait than the other two darkish groups.
1: But that's also not sports, right? That's also not that real sports. No, view. I mean no, it's, it's, but it's, it's
2: American it's, pro wrestling. It's right, rat dude which
1: is fan. fine, but let's just be honest about what we're yeah. what we're doing here. I mean that's
2: fine. Yeah, drop the win win loss ratings. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's the whole thing about if
0: they're supposed to be reset and that's become a talking point about like losses mattering about like Chris Jericho taking a pinfall loss in a tag match. How is that going to affect your champion going forward? And I mean, then today it's fucking pro wrestling guys like and, and at the best of it, like the best parts of this has kind of been the southern wrestling thing where they didn't talk about wins or losses that much. It was about feuds. It was about emotions It was about you wronged me. You attacked me. And if anything, they should be dialing more into that.
1: Yeah, it's like Cody Dustin is the height of this promotion to this point. Like, that's the road I would like to see them be on. Uh, I agree about the multiple feuds. Like, as quickly as they did the MJF turn, this story needs to go for a long time. It needs to be stretched out. I mean, I love that MJF is doing the I refuse to wrestle Cody thing. And I hope he doesn't wrestle him for a long time.
2: I I also enjoy it, but it is the same thing Jericho is doing with Moxley. (laughs)
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's (laughs) true.
2: I mean, that's going to come to a head sooner because Jericho came out and confronted him at the end of the show. But the last two weeks, the story has been Moxley wants Jericho and Jericho did this whole promo. The joke of which was I'm never wrestling Moxley, which is right. Again, there's a lot of pro wrestling stories out there to be told. And uh, at some point you have to repeat them all, but you just got to be, has to be some more quality control about what you're repeating between segments and stuff like that. Um, to to amend my statement i like that there's this feud between cody and this new group but you're asking a lot of the butcher and the blade to have their debut match be against cody sure big star and qt cuz qt is an obvious jobber everyone knows he's a jobber uh the crowd's not hasn't seen him to get invested in him even as a jobber it's you know he's not the librarian he's you know basically a, a, has been seen more as a crew guy than anything else and you know, maybe the maybe the idea is they're just really going to beat this shit out of QT next week, and that's how they're going to get the act over. But if they're going to do like a real match, like he's not helping the man.
1: All right, let's run down the whole show as we talked about. The, the show started with the Young Bucks and Dustin Rhodes defeating Proud and Powerful and Sammy Guevara. Matt Jackson pinned Sammy after the Cintan uh, uh, double Meltzer Driver combo that that Mike talked about. In the second match, we had Phoenix defeating Trent with the spinning muscle buster. Uh, after the match, Phoenix wouldn't shake Trent's hand. They got into a shoving match and, and Trent gave him the business. Uh, Trent, man, as this was happening, I was defending Trent as a singles wrestler in a group DM and then he kind of shit the bed here and this wasn't very good.
0: Oh, I thought this was fun. I thought that this was a fun match. I I like Trent as a singles wrestler because he will do like dumb things to his Gumby body and he seems to be Okay. Uh, Or at least, you know, he has injuries and he recovers. And I'm like, ridiculous things such as, oh, I'm going to get the legs kicked. My legs kicked out underneath me from the turnbuckle. What am I going to do on the way down? It's completely unnecessarily. I'm going to hit my neck against the back of the turnbuckle on the way down because I'm a weirdo. And it just was, I think Phoenix is someone that I think that they have a long kind of build for him, especially down the line when there's a face champion. But I thought that Trent held up his end of the deal. It wasn't as good, in my opinion, as the Pentagon match, but I still thought that this was a perfectly fine singles match. Like, I didn't think that Trent was bad. Like, what what necessarily do you think was bad from Trent, A.B.?
1: This was just boring, and Trent's really good, and it should have been really good. Phoenix is really good, but this wasn't fun.
2: I thought this was pretty fun. Um, Phoenix is a big star. like So I I do wonder if this was colored maybe by the sound issues because it was pretty hot during a considerable part of this match. My misgivings during the initial part of the match was it was a lot of Trent selling and Phoenix is supposed to be heel and Phoenix was doing all the cool moves and he was doing all the acting like a badass and Trent was basically just selling around for him. They managed to, you know, during Trent's comeback, they got some of that juice back and it's like, you know, they got on equal footing there. Um, But I was mostly, I mostly came away from this going, yeah, Phoenix, big star. Uh, The champagne crowd is, you know, uh, a, a lot different than the Chicago crowd. It's like a lot of rural uh, you know, Southern Illinois people. And they were all super behind Phoenix. Like he was getting big reactions for all of his offense because he has very cool offense. Um, so yeah, there's like a Phoenix showcase. I was like, yeah, this was pretty good. Next up
1: was the Cody interview with Tony Schiavone. Not going to go through it point by point because we talked about the the broad strokes, but I have to talk about the opening fucking line. Cody starts this promo with, they call them cool, right? Those hearts that have no scars to show. Is anybody familiar with this other, than,
2: is other this, than me? Is this an emo song lyric?
1: No, it's a Garth Brooks song lyric.
2: Yeah.
0: Nah, that's not the kind of country I listened to growing up.
1: This is from "Standing Outside the Fire."
0: Okay, Garth was from Oklahoma, bud. That's the th- there was definitely like Dallas, Fort Worth, not caring too much about Garth because he was from Oklahoma.
1: I'm not saying everybody should know about it. I just want to know why Cody decided to open this promo with that line. Especially,
2: Man, this is, it's to Central Southern Illinois. Again, he's playing to the audience.
1: Okay, well, he... I could see that. Okay, but his delivery of it came off like he was like, "Oh, I thought this was kind of a funny thing, but now like I'm realizing it's not." As I'm saying it, <laughs> it was just like very uncomfortable. Ah, very bad. That's it. This promo was uh, what it was. We talked about it already. Okay, Joey Janela is backstage with Alex Marvez. We talked about this a little bit too. He says he accepted the Moxley match because he wants to make a name for himself because he feels like he's been put on the back burner. But this time the match is going to count and you'll have to kill me. And that's when Mox shows up and does nothing except say, kids, that was it. We get a dark order pre-tape, but this time, uh, you know, we see more of them. They're, They're in the woods initiating people into the dark order. So they're just really, really going all the way with this they should go
0: heavier into like the covert cult stuff and less of like the creepy creepers like come on like talk about like the path to the bridge like dianetics like there's a lot of like ways that they could make this even more cloaked i think would be really interesting rather than it's like oh you come in here because you have no friends like i love this i think this is going to turn the dark order into an overheal act it's just I, I feel like that going like straight into that when they could have like milked that out a little bit would have been interesting.
2: Yeah, I liked the creepy cult existing in the real world more than being in the woods. They
1: should, uh, they should recruit KTB.
2: They really should. He's from the woods. He could just be the largest creeper and he'd be like over.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah, that would rule actually. All right, then we see uh, the video of Nyla attacking Shanna last week. Uh, While Nyla is entering, this is a thing of like they do stuff on social media and I think they just kind of expect people to see it. But at least this time they put it on TV for us to actually understand that uh, an angle was coming, which I appreciated. But then that's when uh, Nyla defeated Leva Bates with the native bomb. Uh, Shanna comes out. She jumps off the top rope. uh, But Nyla takes her out, gets a table out, as we said. Uh, She power bombs Rick Knox through the table and then Shanna on top of him. And we see Britt Baker doing the, what I'm calling the NXT face uh, on camera there. A little little rib on NXT. Yeah,
2: that's cute. I didn't see it in the arena, but uh, you know, it's kind of funny. And there was a a tweet later that Nyla is suspended
1: from AEW for the rest of the year. So very stiff penalty. Uh, But as we, I mean, we didn't report this. I I retweeted it from somebody, but she's going to be, uh, at Marvelous, a Josie promotion in Japan, on December eight, and tagging with uh, the real Asuka. So this is uh, presumably just a write off for her to tour Japan for a little while.
0: I think that's good for her. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it, it's something that like Nyla will come back in twenty twenty, and she'll have like some more experience working in Japan, and then she'll come back, and she's still like on I think a three match winning streak. So. She has heat and then you have the Shauna thing. So I think this is I think this is actually kind of a smart little thing. It is kind of weird how they're like doing like all these like fines and suspensions and there's no authority figure other than that one time that Tony Khan was an authority figure. I feel like we're really negative this week.
1: I hope Ferrante's listening. <laughs> nobody, nobody will uh, engage with that. So then we get the Jericho promo. This is the bottom of the hour. So you know, going over nine o'clock, they want to have uh, Jericho out there, he says he ha- he has to have one more 2019 match contractually. So he's put together a little list and it uh, gets a big pop for that. And he says, you know, shut up. This isn't 2016. This is the lexicon of Le Champion. Le Champion. I'm like Jr. out here trying to pronounce <laughs> Uh So then he's listing wrestlers he won't wrestle. Uh, this was uh, not that funny. But the the thing here was that he just kept listing Moxley uh, over and over again.
2: That was very cute. Pretty funny. Got laughs throughout it. Um, you know, things are always funnier in person. Absolutely.
1: It just this was one of the first times that Jericho came over as came uh, across as like more of an older person. Like mm-hmm. the the humor that he was trying to do here wasn't as like cutting edge as some of his other stuff has been.
0: Well, it's the first time he's immediately gone back and did a WWE trope, like.
2: This is a WCW trope. This is the. Well, right. The first yeah. Of the thousand and four moons.
0: I mean, there's a lot of arm bars. Sean Moxley is the arm bar of AEW. So uh, apparently, I didn't catch this, but apparently, like the last line was supposed to be Mar, and then he got cut off. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: I, I don't get the reference.
2: Marty Skrull.
1: Oh, Mar. Got it. Got it. I didn't,
2: know. I didn't notice that.
1: So Jurassic Express interrupts. Uh, Jericho says dinosaurs and little children are also on my list, which I did think the little children thing was kind of funny. Uh, or no, no, this was the part I thought was funny when he, when he said Marco's just small for his age. And Jericho said Marco is small for any age that that got a pop out of me. He uh, says, you can't mean jungle boy. He's never talked. And he closes this by telling jungle boy, he thinks he's a piece of shit, which I thought it really escalated there uh, a little much. Uh, he says, you wouldn't last 10 minutes with me. And this uh, results in a brawl, and Jurassic Express stands tall. Unfortunately, I wrote J.E. here. And so, uh, but Jeffrey Epstein was not actually involved in this <laughs> segment. Just want to be clear uh, this podcast is a Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself uh, podcast for sure. Jericho throws a tantrum, and uh, basically, they set the match between Chris Jericho and Jungle Boy for December 18th in Corpus Christi really building this up since they're going to be taking a week off after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that we didn't
0: talk about during the promo, there was a really funny reaction when, when Luchasaurus said he had a master's degree from Chris Jericho, like Chris Jericho did a double take. That was kind of funny. Like if they went more on that versus the whole marginalized population, but I thought that would have kind of crystallized this and I would have better taste in my mouth about this promo.
2: I don't think any of them should talk to be honest. I think it's better if they don't talk. It's like a dinosaur and his jungle friend and their child they found. <laughs> maybe, Mar- maybe Marco should talk uh, if any of them. I mean, that would be a
0: way to do it. I mean, I don't know if that's what I go with, but you know, I-, I do see your point about Jungle Boy, though. So, yeah,
2: I think I think Luchasaurus is less cool the more he talks. Is really my the main thrust of my point here. Anyway,
1: I agree. Then we got Chris Statlander defeating Hikaru Shida with the Big Bang, uh, and that's when the the light's out, and we had Kong and Brandy come out. Uh, Jonathan Snowden of uh, making fun of people who watch Sailor Moon fame reports that Brandy Rhodes uh, told him that AEW has signed Chris Statlander. So we kind of have talked back and forth a bit about that, but it looks like she's there uh, for the long haul. Great get. Absolutely. Great
0: get, and match of the night. You know, I mean she's capitalized on Ooh. her opportunities each time. Second best match of the night. Oh, I thought this was the match of the night. I thought Chris Stat and Hakarshida was the best match there.
1: I think that I think the trios was better. I think I agree with Nate here.
2: Although I will I'm say I'm surprised that, to hear
1: Mike not vote for a trios.
2: Yeah. I, I tweeted this. The uh, uh Chris like has been on TV basically once and is working in front of I don't know however many thousands of people in a pretty big basketball arena here and it's like you know uh in again this sort of goes back to that thing about how wwf crowds were not tolerant of new acts and would only want to see the stars that they know and southern wrestling crowds would be like all right let's see what you got and this was the case where it was like okay they wanted to see what chris standler had chris statlander had and she was like impressive here and and she has a good move set and sort of uh you know the gimmick kind of broad but she kind of works with it so uh, i was impressed
1: yeah, she's I hadn't watched her wrestle till she showed up in this promotion. And I've been impressed every step of the way, especially for her level of experience and uh, just having that like powerful, powerful look to where she can be a baby. Face. You know, it's like the opposite of Riho, whom I love, but she can be a baby face, but also like beat the shit out of people. So it's going to be it's going to add diversity. All right. Then we had Pentagon Jr. defeating Christopher Daniels with the package pile driver. We talked about this. Already. The finish. This is why I was kind of complaining about this a little bit earlier, but Phoenix threw Christopher Daniels' mic stand into the ring. Uh Pentagon picked it up, tried to swing it at Daniels, missed him. Then Daniels got it. You know, you do the thing where like the ref looks and like, oh, is the baby face gonna hit him and get disqualified? And then Pentagon uh, distract, kicks him in the balls, and then hits the pile driver. And then we get the Lucha brothers celebrating after the match. It's just like so the Lucha Brothers have pretty much always been heels in this promotion, but some weeks you are supposed to just forget that, I think, or you do forget it. Like you're talking about everybody in champagne going crazy for Phoenix because they don't play up the heel stuff very much with them. And these guys are so cool that you have to do something over the top to get them over as heels.
2: They're too cool to be heels and you can have cool heels, but trying to hammer home that they're heels with these mic stand spots and low blows and stuff is just working against the overness of the segment and, and, and of the act. Like, I think just let them be big stars and, you know, get them away from Christopher Daniels.
1: Yes. Then we got a Butcher in the Blade pre-tape with the bunny doing, doing the talking here, which is good. So let's, you know, this is kind of like what you're saying about Luchasaurus and and Jungle Boy here. These guys don't need to talk, right? They can just look menacing and that's good. And Ali says, we were sick of seeing your face everywhere. And we kind of, we see Cody uh, coming up on the screen. We're here to cut the head off the snake. So we get motivations from them. That's good. It gives us somewhere to go. And it gives us uh, you know, the immediate feud with them and and Cody. I, I I like that there's multiple feuds, but I don't like the MJF paid them off, but now they're saying we're here to cut the head off the snake. Like, no, you're here because MJF hired
2: you to come in.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, like, kind of, it's confusing. Yeah, it undercuts them a little bit.
2: Yeah. I must have missed that entirely. Um, it, the paid off angle. I didn't. Well, it was like only on social because, media. Exactly. That's because it was uh, only on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's um as far as I'm concerned, that didn't happen then. Um, but yeah, I, I will say, you know, Allie is like a very uh, charismatic and engaging heel. Like I think she's better as a heel than a baby face. You know, she like, got on the TV doing the babyface thing in TNA, but I think she's much better suited for being a heel, whether in CZW or Shimmer or whatever. So yeah, I think great to have her as the mouthpiece for the two guys who don't talk. That's the way to do it.
1: All right. Then we had John Moxley defeating Joey Janela with the paradigm shift. And after this match, we see Jericho doing the Mox thing where he's coming down the, the steps and uh, he's got the inner circle with him. And, and that was how the show ended. So
2: any more thoughts on this match or just anything else on the show overall? I really enjoyed the show overall. I think it was better than last week. I, I enjoyed myself more than it all out, to be honest because' you know, maybe just the crowd was more lively or um you know, it wasn't a we didn't have a bunch of pay-per-view quality matches, but we got a good handful of matches. And uh, again, the good thing about the TV and the way they set it up is like there are matches with some meat to them, and it doesn't seem like you're going to a wwf raw taping in 1999 where everything's two minutes and then an ad break um yeah i actually really enjoyed myself with the show
0: i just like this match was okay that's all i was gonna say is this match was okay it kind of heat up at the end because they had the ramp and there was some cool stuff on the ramp but yeah that's all i had to say
1: all right yeah good show overall They, they bounced back from the chicago show i thought and uh there were some things I didn't like about it, but overall, like I had fun watching it, so you know it's hard to complain about that. I can I can definitely see that it would have been a lot of fun live, especially because the crowd seemed to be very into pretty much everything that happened. The dark matches that were were taped, uh, we had Britt Baker, Chuck Taylor, and Orange Cassidy on commentary. I'm assuming one for each match, and <laughs> not the three of these people uh, doing commentary. We had uh, Scorpio Sky versus. I never Jimmy. saw
2: Chuck or Orange to be honest.
1: Okay, I just, I got this on the internet somewhere. Scorpio Sky versus Jimmy Havoc versus Peter Avalon, a three-way. Uh, the Jurassic Express team of Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt taking on John Silver and Alex Reynolds. And Kenny Omega taking on Kip Sabian. So Mike and I will talk about those matches on AEW Light next Wednesday morning. Anything, uh, well, whatever you want to say. Anything you want to say about any of these matches, Nate? Um
2: uh- Kenny got received like a big star again. This was a you know a less metropolitan audience than I have previously seen AEW, but Kenny was very over. Um, and his whole thing was very over. Uh, da, 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 who did he face? Kip Sabian. I don't know about Kip, Kip Sabian. I don't know.
1: Would you say he's super bad in the ring?
2: <laughs> no, I don't think he's bad. I don't know. <laughs> kind of, um. Mike kind of has guy. that thing where it's like, he's play acting at being a wrestler instead of just being a wrestler. You know what I mean?
1: Well, he's young, you know, he
2: probably hasn't figured it out yet
1: for sure. Also, yeah, he's, that's, part, he's that's also kind pretty, of ready. So that's like, you know, that sets you back in being able to do anything real, anything good, because <laughs> oh, everybody yeah. tells you you're good before you get there, you know, you
2: speaking from experience.
1: No, I'm speaking from like an absolute, uh, well of resentment. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right, next week uh twelve eleven in Garland, Texas, which they're calling Dallas it kind of is all right i'm I'm just saying it's that's what, that's what they're saying it's uh eastern edge
0: of what's the overall metropolitan area. There's a lot of like weird like small cities within Dallas Fort Worth that's why the that's why the Cowboys used to play in Irving and now they're in Arlington Garland how
1: far, how far away is Garland from Corpus Christi like
0: Six, seven hours. Okay, Not,
1: so it's reasonable to draw in both places.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, and I'm probably wrong when I say just six, seven hours. It's a long, long drive between them. Like, Texas is fucking big, bud. Like, sure, yeah, I get that. It, it takes forever. Like, it used to take me 12 hours to get out of the state whenever I try to drive to Louisiana.
1: Well, here's the matches that the good folks of Garland are going to see next week. At least two of them we know so far. The Young Bucks are going to take on Proud and Powerful. And Cody and QT Marshall are going to take on the Butcher and the Blade. And presumably they will be joined by the Bunny. So I, again, Mike and I will talk about those on AEW Lite next week. And anything else that gets announced. Just a few other notes. And we'll get out of here. So Nate mentioned a little bit the DVR numbers earlier. Dave Meltzer has gotten a hold of some DVR numbers. And uh, he says they are, quote, really big, shocking big. So it turns out a lot of people watch NXT and AEW on DVR. Now, you can't just say, okay, well, ignore the ratings numbers because here's these numbers, because the advertisers aren't paying for DVR numbers. And that's important because without advertising, these shows aren't going to be on television. So, you know, that's why people care about, uh, the, the ratings numbers. So here's what we know when it comes to dynamite, 57% watch the show live, 22% watch it over the next three days. And then 17%, uh, you know, the rest of that first week. NXT, pretty close, a little higher on live watching. 65% of their viewers are watching live. And obviously that means lower uh, after that. So if you average it, and this goes from the first show all the way through the second week of November, you get 741,000 people watching on average each episode of Dynamite and 400,000 each week watching NXT. So, Anything we can take away from that? I think the big thing is is that you have people who will watch the
0: show, but they're not necessarily like decision one watchers. Like it's not their first priority, which that could be a lot of things. I mean, where uh Wednesday could be a big bar night in some areas, especially where where I've lived, Wednesday's been a big bar night. It, it could be a people could work and like that. The big thing though about it is the fact that they get 96% of their viewership within the, within their plus three and plus sevens. Like as long as you're not like a bingeable wrestling show, that's a pretty strong number. And yeah, maybe it means that this is not exactly the best time for it. Maybe, but I mean, that's something that we've kind of countered with the whole NXT thing. And what if it NXT didn't decide to go to USA and make that a thing like that there's a lot of different things here. It's interesting. But as you rightfully said, this is cool to see. It definitely gives them promise, but now it's converting them from being plus threes and plus sevens into live watchers for their ad demos. All
1: right. We also found out this week that AEW has a deal with in demand for quarterly pay-per-views through 2021. So all this really does is confirm that they're going to be doing quarterly pay-per-views as we've known all along and... We don't know about a, a price point, but presumably it's going to be the same uh, Bleacher Report Live price point. All right, last note. Kenny Omega defeated Dragon Lee to retain the AAA Mega Championship back on December 1. I haven't seen the match. Did either of you see it? You can't. It's
0: going to go up on YouTube, I think, this weekend.
1: Amazing. So not even, but there's like fan cams probably out there. Yeah, there's fan cams.
0: But okay. this is a weird bot show that was done by the, President of Rush France, so
2: Rush France. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, I can't get a Rush
2: France joke out, but I was working on one. <laughs> right. He didn't bring the belt to Champagne. He should have brought the belt. Absolutely. Anything else you guys want to talk about? I mean, literally. No, I'm anything. tired. I'm tired. I from this fucking drive. I got a very bad idea to take like two days off of work to go see more wrestling when I just had like a four-day weekend <laughs> off work you know that was poor planning on my part
0: how long is it a drive from where you are to Champaign
2: uh to like two and a half hours
0: okay so it's a real hike
2: yeah I mean it's not uh the, the where I live now is actually pretty close to the uh relevant highway so if I just happen to live you know, th- there are places close to me that are like considerably further than from Champagne, just because they're not near that particular onle- inlet on ramp, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. On route. No, I, I follow you there. Yeah. Uh, but I was don't the- like driving. So
0: that's fair. Uh, just wondering, how did it seem like of college students there? Like, did that seem like that they had, because that seemed to be like a big pull there versus the other mm-hmm. on campus shows before?
2: I think it, it, there were not a lot of college people in our uh, particular section. With We, again, a lot of, like, townies and, like, families and, like, normal sort of wrestling fans that you would see. Um, you know, I ran into, uh, I guess, a fair amount of college kids out on the concourse and stuff, but, uh, you know, it was, was by no means like a, oh, this is a college student event here. It seemed like a, you know, a, a regular sort of local event. Um, I don't that, you know, I thought the crowd seemed pretty good considering this might be one of their smaller markets that they've run. I don't know. I mean, it's like 200,000 in, in Champaign, um, is the population there and we're coming right off the holiday again. So, uh, but I was like, oh yeah, you know this crowd is the, you know, we're not filling the building here, but it's respectable and they're all very hot. So
1: yeah, that picture you posted looked like, I mean, that was when dark was starting, right? And it looked pretty full even up in the second deck.
2: Yeah. Uh the so the second deck behind. Well, there's like there's like a bowl and then like another deck and then like another deck. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the top deck was like empty, but you know, but again, I'll, I'll look pretty respectable and uh kind of a good dome sort of shape for wrestling. You know, it's kinda of, cause it's just like it's circular and it's got like the different tiers coming up around it. I was I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a cool-looking building at least on TV with the ramp and then with that made it look like it was a lot more compact and people were more on top of each other. So, I thought it looked cool on TV at least.
1: All right, well that's the episode for this week. So, make sure you're following us on Twitter at everythingAEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast so that you will get it as soon as it goes up. If you're on the podcast app, give us a rating or review and please Check out patreon.com slash everything elite. We're also putting up, you know, teasers or whatever. You know, you get a little tease, a little bit of uh, some of the shows that we're putting up if you if you stay tuned to our Twitter account. So look for that. And uh, we would love to have you join us for some bonus content. So I think that's it for this week. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron and we'll see you next time.